Fantastic. I've been treated today, strawberry water. Woo! Not normal, strawberry. Thank you, Linda, wherever you are. Good job. So um, it's my privilege to throw them down there, share the word with you again today. So um, Pastor Shu was due to speak this day, but um, he's actually really, really unwell. And actually, before we begin, let's pray for Pastor Stu and Pastor Carla, because um, yeah, I don't know, he's got a chest infection and he's, he's not very well. And, and uh, we want to pray for him and believe uh, supernatural recovery over him. So let's just lift our hands and just believe. Father, right now we just lift up Pastor Stu and Pastor Carla towards you, Father, and just pray for supernatural recovery over their lives. Father, whatever this infection or, or, or a cough and whatever it may be, Father, I just pray like right now, Heavenly Father, like medicine to the body, your spirit would be at work removing this infection and causing just their bodies to be able to feel good again. Be in whole health, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone doing good? Awesome. You got a double dose of me. I wasn't expecting this, to be honest with you. I was like, on the, just this week, towards the end of the week, I got a message to say, can you jump in again? And I was like, okay. But it's good, because God's always, God's always good, because he's always preparing us, right? And so, little backstory about a few weeks, well, it must have been the week before last. So God dropped this word on my heart, and I thought, oh, that might be for the future. Yeah, God, I can't dwell in on it. I didn't know it would be this quick, but I was like, oh, wow, that must be, it must be for now. The minute I got asked, I knew that this must be the word for now. And I believe it's for us in our situation, our circumstances. If it's okay, what I want to do is kind of just share a little bit of backstory about um, where me and my wife are at the moment. Me and, me and Paula, for, for, for those that know Paula, um, she's the loud woo, one. I'm usually the quieter one. Um, but she's brilliant. And uh, so at the moment, we're in a funny situation, a funny season of life. And uh, we sometimes all find ourselves in those seasons, right, that we can't really prepare for. Um, and I just want to kind of give a little bit of a backstory about this. And my prayer today is that you'd be encouraged, that you'd leave feeling encouraged about maybe the situational circumstance that you find yourself in. So the beginning of this year, this year has probably been one of the funniest, kind of weirdest years uh, of my life, I would have thought, in regards to where you thought you was going and where you ended up. So towards January, February this year, um, we really felt led that we were going to be buying our house. So we were living in our house and um, we were temporarily renting it, but we, we kind of had it in our heart that we were going to be renting this property, uh, buying this property. And... Um, and we were excited by it, and, and, you know, we just had this kind of, it dropped on our heart, we're going to be buying this property, thought, okay, God, didn't really know how it was going to happen, but we just felt that we were, and so March to April time, so that was January, February, we really felt like, come on, God, this is going to be brilliant, then March to April came, and I was in contact with mortgage advisors, and I was talking, and I was getting excited, I'd never done this, I felt like a grown-up, I was like, look at me, talking to a mortgage advisor, you're laughing, and you but I did, and I, uh, and, and it was great, and I was getting excited. I was thinking these plans were happening, and I was, you know, as, as we do, we're making plans. I was seeing things. I was thinking, wow, this is brilliant. Like, this is really exciting. For those, you know, this, for me and Paula, this would have been our first house. So for those that have bought their first house, you know, it's probably an exciting season in your life, right? It's something new. It's like this is incredible. So that's where we were at. So March and April, mortgage advisors. And obviously, it was taking a bit longer than what I thought, and I was thinking, you know, for me, I was thinking, come on, I just want... Ring them, done, lovely. But no, it wasn't happening like that. And it, 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 So around about May to June, this is when it started getting interesting. I was thinking, God, what is going on? Because 
We, we were told originally 10% deposit. I'm going to bore you with all these details because I think it's significant because God was doing something even though I couldn't quite work it out. So we were told a 10% deposit. God came through with us for that. And I thought, wow, that's, that's miraculous, God. Thank you so much. You know, because in my head, I thought the deposit's always going to be the problem when buying a house, right? Most, any, you know, hands up, when you're first buying a house, it's the deposit that's usually the problem. You think, God, if only I can get that, everything else surely will be, be sorted out. Then the mortgage advisor was like, no, 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 it needs to be 15%. And I thought, he's having a laugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, that's exactly what I did. I laughed at him. I was like, you're joking. Anyway, God came through. You're going to laugh even more in a minute when I tell you what happened. And so 15%. And I'm like, what? How come they're getting 5% mortgages? I'm like, I'm getting 15. I'm getting mugged off here. I thought, is this a mortgage? I was checking. I've called a mortgage advisor, not some like loan shark or some dodgy fella, but it wasn't. And I thought, okay, whatever. Then, then, then we came, God came through. I was like, wow, now 15%, like, God is good, come on. Then I rang him up, and he was, like, doing all these checks again, like they do. And I don't know what he's doing at the other end of the phone, but he's doing something. And he's like, oh, it's going to need to be 20%. I can't, yeah, exactly. This phone, I was like, oh, that was me upstairs in the office. I was like, no. Paula's downstairs thinking, I know what's happened. 20%. I was like, you're joking me. I, said, I couldn't work out. I thought, what is he doing? Why was it 10? Why does it keep going up? Anyway, it kept getting it was like a wall against the wall. And I was confused. And anyway, God came through. And I was like, what is going on? Like, this is awesome. You know, we're talking like a lot of money now. Just God, like, is, we're being provided this. And then the last straw was this, that when I rang him again, it went to 25%. Needed to be this thing. Yeah, yeah, this is it. This is what I thought I've had enough. I can't do this. Like, 25%. But God came through. Like, what? What is going on? But even though God was coming through, things weren't moving in the way that I thought they would. And so we went from all of this happening to having this money to to God moving what felt like doors being opened in various areas, but doors being shut constantly when it came to buying the house. And so it came to a point where it just wasn't happening. And we came to a place where we decided it is time that we have to move out. Like we can't. We can't be here. Obviously, we were planning to buy that it's not going to happen. And so now we've come to a place where we need to move out because we were renting and and the time was coming up and we thought we would have bought it by the time. And this was like, wow, you've gone from this beautiful promise of looking to buy this house, you're making plans, you're walking around, going to do that, going to do that, to now scrambling stuff, thinking we've got to get out. I've got to pack my bags. Like This is chaos. Like What's happened? What's going on? God, you've provided, but still the door has been closed, and I couldn't work it out in my mind. And so came August, and we're moving out. And some of you know this story. Some of you um, obviously know it because um, you are our landlords, um, and so you was in this with us, um, and, and, and um, there's a couple here that were our landlords, and, and you were walking with us with this, and they were just as confused as we were, and both sides of the story, was, it was very confusing, but came the end of August and it was time for us to move out and I found ourselves just being blocked in, in anything, trying to rent here, trying to do this. We ended up in London. Paula's mum's, we're, we're living in London, as some of you may know. I'm living down here with my mum and we're, we're swapping between, I'm, I'm travelling and it's all chaotic, if I'm being honest. This wasn't it, Lord. House, buying house. You, what's going on? Like, what is, I'm travelling up the A3 every other day. It's like, what's going on now? And so as I was traveling, like, I was traveling back and forth from London and still am. You know, Portsmouth work, traveling back there to see the family, you know, missing your children. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy. 
Um, I was confused. And really, honestly confused to the point where, like, I couldn't work out what on earth was going on. But then I just heard a word of the Lord. And that's what you need in a season when you're not sure. You just need God to speak into the situation. You have to have him speak into the situation. And then he just said this, wait on me. And I thought, okay, wait on you. And at first I was like, I started thinking about it and dwelling in it. But then as over the weeks started passing in September, God started to speak through his word. And he gave me this scripture in Isaiah 40, verse 31. And it says, and you'll be familiar with this verse, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I was like, okay, God. You know, when you start thinking, I'm hearing God, he's speaking now through his word to me about the situation. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. If you feel weak in yourself, we need to learn to wait on the Lord. Because according to the Bible, when you wait on the Lord, your strength is renewed. Brand new strength is put within you. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. Running and not getting weary. Anyone, any runners in here, you'll know after a certain time, you'll start getting weary. You can't just keep running and running and running and running. Well, some people can, but I can't. You see me running after a bit. I'm like, woo, I'm walking. And then I'll still faint. But apparently, those that wait on the Lord, you'll find a renewed strength within you and then this ability to walk and not faint. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm getting you now. Wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait on you. And then again, a few days later in the Psalms, I felt the Lord give me this word in, in Psalms 27:14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I was like, okay, God, I'm getting this now. You know, I, I like this because you're confirming stuff to me. You're really speaking to my situation. Who here has had God speak into a situation? Come on, we've all experienced this, right? We need this in the situation when you find yourself in a confusing time. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Isn't that a great promise? That he'll strengthen your heart when you wait on him. Strengthen your heart when you wait on him. I love that. And then the, the final scripture in this moment that God gave me, this was all quite close together when he spoke to me in the beginning of September, was Proverbs 19.21. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And I kind of felt like that was the, listen to me, kind of moment. I was like, okay, God, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop trying to force doors open, you know, because that's the problem. What was happening when it came to this rushed moment of trying to fail in this house and needing to buy somewhere else, it felt like all the peace had left about it. You know that experience when you feel like you're forcing something open, but you have no peace, and you're like, what am I doing? I know God's telling me to go here. I've got to stop. I've got to stop trying to push and make things happen when I know it's not what God has for me. And so I had to submit to God um, in that situation. I had to say, God, well, this is it then. This is the circumstance I find myself in, and I'm going to trust you in it and I'm going to wait on you. Waiting is not always easy. Um, impatience can kick in, right? Often you think, wait a day, nothing's happened, what's, na- what's happening now? Sometimes it's not like that. And so towards the beginning of October, I started feeling really down again. I started feeling frustrated. I started feeling like, God, I'm really, like, it's been a month now, and I'm still kind of like traveling back and forth. I still don't really get what's going on. And I started feeling frustrated because I missed my kids, I missed my family, and there's nothing I could do about it. I felt forced out of this situation, 
but I felt like God was doing something, and so I was battling this. And I started doubting what God was saying as well. I started thinking, uh, have I misheard? You know, have I misheard? Has anyone here doubted God and you think, have I misheard? You know that feeling, you think, have I heard this right? Have I just made the massive mistake and made my family move and I'm like here and I'm like, what's going on? And I started questioning myself. And so in times like that, what do you do? We, we press into God. And, and, we, and we, we see what God's got to say about this. We should always be pressing into God. But in moments like that, I just, I, I, I started questioning God. And I felt like these two verses he gave to me. And I thought, wow, God, these are quite powerful verses for me in this situation. The first one was Luke 24, 49. And it says this, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And I know what he's speaking about here, he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. He's speaking about the promise of the Holy Spirit coming upon the people, but they must wait here in the city. And in this moment, I just felt convicted that I was, no, I was hearing God right, that I needed to wait in the city. I needed to wait. What was going on? We need to wait. Wait in, in there. And then he gave me Acts 1.4. And he said this, once, um, it says this, once when, we, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. And again, I know he's speaking about the Holy Spirit, but I just felt this deep conviction. You know, Jerusalem's a capital city of Israel. I felt this deep conviction that I knew I should be in the capital, in London. We were right to be in London. The Bible doesn't say London in it anywhere. But I felt like God was saying to me here in this moment that I was hearing him right. I was hearing him correctly, and I just had this amazing peace about the fact that, yes, we were in two different places, but I needed to wait. And uh, whilst I was in London, there was various times when we were getting directions, um, Satnav, and oh, I chose to go a different way, and it led us to the right direction. And actually, the Satnav was directing us in the wrong place, and I felt again that God was saying, you're hearing me correctly. Often, don't listen to the voices on the outside that are trying to give directions. Listen to my voice. And I think that's really, really important that often we can have lots of voices speaking into situations and circumstances, but ultimately it's the voice of God that should be the umpire of your life. People's good intentions are great, but that's not God. It's God's voice, God's speaking that should be the thing that directs us. Again, so I came to that place of having to wait on him. But this didn't change the way I felt about the circumstances I was in, and I felt the way I could picture it, like I was stuck in a wasteland, like I was just stuck in a situation that you don't want to be in, but you have to be in. Come on, we've probably all experienced that before. You're, you're facing it. If you haven't, maybe we need to step out a little bit more of a comfort zone and realize that God may have something bigger for you, because often God puts us in these places for a reason. And even though I knew that God had asked me to wait in this season, in this situation, my flesh was frustrated, was like, oh, this is horrible. I don't really want to have to keep traveling. I don't really want to have to keep doing all this kind of stuff. But then he gave me this verse again in Isaiah 43, 19. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create, create rivers in the dry wasteland. I love that. Because it's the very way I felt is that wasteland. Often when you feel in that wasteland, like there's nothing here, God. This is a frustrating season. God's the one that makes something out of nothing. He created man out of the dust of the ground. 
He spoke the universe into existence. Come on, that can't even, we can't even fathom that in our mind. We're, we're too, I don't know what the right word is, but not clever enough, let me say that, to understand how incredible our God is. He's the God of the exceedingly abundantly far above what we're able to imagine, think. He spoke it into existence. There was nothing and then there was everything. And it was beautiful. So beautiful that we look at it sometimes, like the waterfalls, and go, wow, he spoke it in a moment. That's the God that we serve. He creates new things out of wastelands. And so often, even if we find ourselves in wastelands, places that feel dry or abandoned, if God is still with us, which he is, then we need to trust him. Because he wants to build and grow something that wasn't there before. Why does God put us in a wasteland? Why? Because there's nothing there and so he can grow something in you. He takes you into a place where there's nothing so he can create something out of you. Come on. Have you ever felt that feeling where you just feel like God's abandoned you? You feel like, I'm on my own now. You're never alone. He's just about to do a new thing. You know, when we're given a promise by God, it's a great moment. You know those promises when someone may prophesy or the word of God jumps out of you and you feel like I'm going to be this or I'm going to do this I have this incredible promise for my life this moment in our life often causes this incredible tangible relational moment with God where you feel so like come on God I can't wait I really want to be this everything you're speaking over me you know whatever it is you're called to do for like for you Gabby worship you're a worshiper And God's going to put that all over you and speak that over you. And there's that promise of being a worshipper. You're going to worship and you're going to lead many people to God because of who you are. And there's an incredible promise when that drops. But that may not be the very next day. There's a promise that comes. But often there's something that we have to go through. You know, the bit on receiving the promise as well is almost an amazing moment. A rejoicing happens, that time when you get what you were waiting for, and it's like you can rejoice and like, whoo, it's a a party, it's a celebration. God came through. But in between that and that, it often doesn't make sense. But it's where God wants to do something. It's this bit that God cares about. He'll give you the promise, and he'll bring it into fruition. He'll bring it into place. But on the journey is when God goes to work. Come on, this is where we need to get excited. Often we just want to get to the destination. Start rejoicing on the journey. Start seeing it differently. I've often started to think, if only I could get there, but no, 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 no. I'm going to rejoice in my God today, regardless of the situation and circumstance I find myself in. You know, one of my greatest... uh, when I look in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at a couple of characters in a bit regarding this very topic about trusting God in the waiting. You know, who here has been in a waiting season? Many of us, right? If you haven't, I mean, maybe you need to get there. Maybe you need to trust God for something. Because we should all be believing for more in God, whether it be our character, whether it be um, new things that God's taking us to, new heights of leadership, whether it's something that we're leading people to God, whatever it may be, we should all be believing God for something bigger than what we're going through right now because God is able to do that. He wants to call us to higher things all the time. When I look at the children of Israel, I think they're a brilliant picture, and I shared this at the men's advance with, with some of the guys, I think they're a brilliant picture of us as Christians in our, in our life. And When you look at the beginning of the children of Israel, when they were in Egypt, they were in bondage. They were bound. They were in slavery. They were stuck. 
And then comes a deliverer who sets them free. It's God, through Moses, set my people free. And they are delivered. And there is a rejoicing. These people are set free. You know what? That's like you at salvation. You were once in bondage, but then you are set free. You are delivered. And there's this great ripping off of chains, and you are able to walk for yourself. And God's promising things on this journey. He's speaking for the children of Israel. He wanted to give them a promised land, and he was telling them about a promised land. And he took them through the waters. Miracles were breaking out. I mean, this was unbelievable stuff. Waters were parting. They were walking through miracles on the journey. It was incredible. God was with them on this journey, but he didn't take them from deliverance to destination. He took them through the wilderness to test their character, to bring things out of them that shouldn't be in them. Often, I I remember when I was doing my degree, I, I heard it put this way, that God wanted to get Egypt out of them so that they could inherit the promised land. He wanted that old way of thinking out of them so that they can inherit the new thing he wants to do. But often, how often can we be so quick to want to just jump into the new thing, but we're carrying yesterday's baggage into it? God wants to break the chains of yesterday's thinking. He wants to break the chains of past thoughts that don't bring any fruit to your life. He wants to bring good things into your life, but he wants the broken old things to be left where they should be left. And that only happens when we go through testing times. Don't be upset when you face trials. Often you'll read in the scriptures, you know, Paul speaks about it, Peter speaks about it, James speaks about it, that it produces character in us. That when we face seasons which we don't quite understand, it's okay. And the children of Israel often quite got it wrong. Well, got it wrong to the point where a whole generation of them didn't even make it in. Because they were too caught up on yesterday. Too caught up on wanting to be back. Oh, if only we were back there, at least we had food to eat. But yet God was pouring food out of the sky for them. I mean, they didn't want to live in the miracles, the blessings. They were too caught up in the natural. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be caught up in something just because I knew it yesterday and it was comfortable. I want to step out into the unknown. Come on, anyone here want to be in the unknown, ready to trust God? Because I feel God's calling us to it. You know, maybe you're here... And it isn't really regarding you. Maybe yourself, you're waiting for a loved one who doesn't know God yet. Maybe you're waiting on God for someone to come back to know him. And there's some incredible people in this house here today that I know have waited on God for a very long time for loved ones to come to know God. I know um, Don and Diana. Diana's got an incredible story of how she waited so long and trusted God. And I'm sure there's many others here today that have stood waiting on God Maybe that's where you're at, that you know there's someone in your family, a child, that's not walking right with God right now. But God's saying, wait on me. Wait on me. Maybe you're in a job and you know that it's not your end goal. It's like, why am I here? It feels like God's asking you to wait on him. Even though you don't understand it. I was in many jobs. I've done loads of jobs. Come and ask me. I've, I've been everywhere. I don't know why. I've just ended up, I just do so many different little jobs until I'm in the place where I am now where God's, because God just led me to places. And I just said yes, and I did it. And I learned it, got on with it. Never thought it was my end goal. I never thought that's where I was meant to be, but I was faithful to God on the journey, trusting him. I often woke up thinking, why, Lord, have I got to go to this job? Why? You know, come on, there's people here today, you're probably feeling the same. Trust me, that's not your end goal. God just wants to refine your character, test you, 
to see, of your loyalty to it, your faithfulness to it. You know, when you're faithful with these things, he'll trust you with greater things. But why would he give us greater things if we're not even loyal or faithful to the things he's given us now? Come on, that's not a wise God. Maybe, again, like me, you're living in an area. Something you're, you're, you, you, you're living in it. You know that you don't. You're thinking, God, I know we want to live here, but God's asking you just to wait on him. And sometimes that can be hard because our human nature says, no, no, I'm just going to make it happen. But it's better to trust God and wait on his perfect timing than to try and make something happen in your own timing. Maybe it is moving a house, but God's saying, no, just wait on me. Trust me in the season. Trust me, I'm about to do something. Don't move until I say go. I want to be in that place. I often, my life, some people probably laugh at me because everything is about God. Everything, I don't just go and make a decision. I have to know God is in it with me. Anyone else here with me? You just got to know God's doing it, right? I can't just up and move. That's too much. My head, I'll be in too much like disarray. I'll be like, this isn't the will of God. Maybe here you're a husband and wife, and uh, your desire is to have children, and it hasn't happened yet. The realities of life, sometimes this does happen. But listen, God's saying, wait on him. I know it can be hard, but God is the God of the miraculous. Wait on him and watch what he does. There can be many things we find ourselves often requiring, um, what they require waiting. Something I think is really important is when we're waiting, we need to trust who we're waiting on. You know, when I think of my children, and often this is a picture that I often get of children on their birthday or Christmas, whatever it is, you know, they're excited. My kids bounce from one gift to another. I don't know any other kids. One minute they want this, this, this. I can't keep up with it. I'm like, right, I don't know what you want for Christmas, but whatever it is, I'll try and get it. But it changes from week to week. The list gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It starts in January. I'm like, wow, this is... But anyway, so I'm like, but they, they, they can wait. There's this brilliant thing about a child, like, yeah, they, they, they're excited about it, but they also know that they're waiting because they know they can trust the person they're waiting on. Their parents, their carers, it might be grandparents, whoever it is, you know, they trust the person they're waiting on. If you don't have trust in someone, um, often it's a lot harder to, 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 to wait on them. You know, when someone's let you down continuously, often it's a lot harder to put your trust in them. What is trust? Well, trust is simply firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability of someone or something. So it's our ability to believe that they're going to do what's right. Who here believes God's going to do good things? Come on, he's a good God. He's a great God. He's a promise-keeping God. But again, like I said, if someone has a bad track record of letting you down or failing you, then it's always going to be a lot harder to trust them when when they ask you to wait on them. You know, continual letdown. I'll do that, they don't do it. Oh, don't worry, I'll do that, they don't do it. When you go to them and ask them, they say, just wait on me, that's going to be a bit like, really? Because you keep failing and failing and failing. You keep saying you're going to do it and not. And trust is broken in that situation. We can trust God with all our heart. God will never, ever let us down. He is, an un, he is a faithful God, unfailing in all his ways. This is who we serve. He's not like an earthly human being. And we get it things wrong. That's why we sometimes let people down, because we're human beings. God is not like us. 
He is God of the whole universe. He's faithful towards you. His promises are yes and they are amen. They are always good towards you. We just got to trust him. Amen? You know, God doesn't ask us to wait for him, but wait on him. I like this picture. Often waiting for something means like it's not right there with you. I often get this picture of waiting for a bus. You know, the bus isn't there. It's coming and you're waiting for it to arrive. Well, waiting on God isn't quite like that because God's present with you. Waiting on him isn't waiting for him to turn up into the situation. He is present in the situation with you. He's right here with you right now. But unlike waiting for something just stood still, when you wait on God, we need to be active in what we're doing. You need to move with him. Move in your everyday life. Carry on serving him, living for him, being faithful in what you have been given now. Even though where you're at right now isn't the end goal of what you believe. The children of Israel were that perfect picture. They had to move where he went. They weren't just waiting for the promised land to come to them. They were moving with God towards it. And on the journey were seasons and situations that didn't make sense. Water coming from a rock doesn't make sense. That happened for them. Food falling from the sky doesn't make sense. I'd love to see it. But it's like cloudy with meatballs, like that film. Anyone seen that film? It's like, that doesn't make sense. Food falling from the sky, but God was taking them on a journey of trust. And on the journey, you don't just wait and think, okay, God, when you do it, then I'll serve you. When uh, you bring it, in, then that's when I'll give all my, my all to you, Lord. That's not faithfulness towards God. When we wait on him, we should be praying. We should be worshiping him. I'm reading the word of God. It shouldn't be like, when you do it, then I'll carry on. But in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the waiting, like never before, we should be pressing into him to see the miracle working God do something in our life. It's not passive, but active. We're called to be active in our waiting on him. As I said, waiting is not actually fun. It's never fun. I'm not saying this journey in the middle bit is a fun, woohoo, can't wait, can't wait to wait. I don't know if that's, that don't make sense, but I don't want to, you know, no one looks forward to that bit, do they? Like the waiting. Oh, you're looking forward to Christmas? Oh, no, I just love that waiting bit. That waiting bit. You're looking forward to going on holiday? No, no, holiday's terrible. That two months leading up to it, I love that bit. That waiting bit, it's brilliant. No one says that, do they? Like no one likes the wait. Hands up if you like the waiting bit. I want to see some hands. I want to say, like, oh, okay. Different. Eric loves waiting. Brilliant. Well done, Eric. That's great. That's cool. We can love waiting. Personally, often when I see a promise, I'm like, I just want to get there, right? I just, like, I'm desperate. But we've got to start to learn to be like Eric and love the waiting. It's true. We've got to love the waiting. We've got to learn to know that the God that's promised it is faithful to come through. But there's a journey you've got to go on that you've got to stay faithful to him on it. Amen? How I'm doing for time. I'm coming to... Okay, we're going to look at a character here. And um, there's a couple of characters. I'm going to try and get through them because I really want to speak about these characters and then um, I want us to pray. But the first character is Abraham. Now, for those that know the story of Abraham, obviously it's a very interesting story. Um, Abraham in itself is an incredible character, fundamental to the faith, you know. He, 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 he's the father... Um, of the children of, 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 of all the faith of, of the Jews. He's, you know, he, he's the patriarch. Um, 
And now in Genesis 12:1, we read this. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land I will show you. So in, and then in Genesis 12:4, we read this. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I love that. Often we look past the numbers, I often see numbers. 75 years old when he was called to this. His journey with God didn't start till he was 75. That's incredible. Often we think, oh, you know, I need to start on getting the word. You know, he was 75 years old when he started his journey. In a lot of the world, in the country, it's, that's the time of retirement. I'm working towards my retirement, can't wait, I've got all these plans. I wonder if Abraham was thinking like that, and he just sat down and was like, I've just booked me holidays, lovely, and then God said, now get up and go. He was like, oh, brilliant, what? What a joke. I've just sat down, I just wanted to retire, I just want, wanted to have this time, and now God's calling him to something amazing, to leave everything he knew to go on a journey to somewhere he didn't even know. I love this, because also God doesn't see age in anything. He just sees a willingness of heart. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know, God's got a plan and a purpose, amen? He was given promises by God. Um, and there's one specific one that I want to look at. But um, in Genesis 15, 4 to 5, it says this, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. And he was speaking about um, another person that Abraham had, um, a relative or someone that wasn't his own blood. He said, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars. If you are able to number them, and he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Wow. Anyone been out on a dark night and looked at the stars? There's too many to count, right? It's incredible. Yet God took Abraham out and said, your descendants will be as many as you can count in the stars, which is a lot. And this is a man who was 75 years old had no children. By the time he was 76 years old, um, when this promise was given, so not only did age not agree with him, he also had a problem that his wife Sarai couldn't have children. And we can read that in Genesis 11.30. It says, Sarah was barren, she had no child. So there's a couple of problems with this promise God has given him. Old age has settled in, and barrenness is in his wife. They've never had children. Genesis 16, 1-2 says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. This was a big mistake. See, the words at the end, Abram heeded the voice of Sarai, is very similar to that of Adam and Eve when Adam he did the, wife, uh, the words of Eve and took of that. He stopped listening to what God had said and started listening to what people were saying. Often, we don't need to get in the way of what God is doing. We don't need to make our own self-effort in the situation. What came from his self-effort was Ishmael, and we know the story. This wasn't the promise God had for Abraham. And Ishmael actually brings complications further down the line for Israel. You know, the promise of God that would come through uh, Abraham and Sarai would bring blessings, but the child coming through self-effort through Abraham and Hagar actually brought strife. And in Genesis 18.12, you can read what is spoken over Ishmael. It says, he shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. 
This is what Abraham created in his strength. And often when we find ourselves in a place of unsureness and uh, waiting and, well, how is this going to make, how is this going to happen? We need to be really careful not to create Ishmael's in our life where we think we need to be the one that does it. We need to, it's been a week, God, and I haven't seen it happen. Maybe if I just push this door, maybe if I just make this happen, maybe if I just do this, it will, it will come into existence. We need to be so careful not to be a person that creates Ishmael's in our life in the waiting zone. Israel, when they were on the journey, often created problems for themselves because they couldn't understand where, they didn't want to trust God, they wanted to work it out in the natural, they just wanted to understand what was going on. Everything about it was natural. You know you serve a supernatural God, it isn't always going to make sense. It isn't. And that's okay, you've got to be okay with sometimes situations not making sense. When you're 76 years old and you're being promised children, I hope that doesn't happen to me, but that... (laughs) You know, we've got to be careful not to think, well, how should I make that happen? No, 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 you don't make it happen. God makes it happen. You know, you're hearing, well, I know that you're going to, we're, we're going to buy a house. I know that this is going to happen. I, I, no, 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 God will make a way. He makes a way, not you. You don't kick the door flying open like Karate Kid, woof, like, and make it happen. That is just going to cause a dispeace in your life, and you're going to be walking frustrated. Better to be in the will of God and everything looking crazy than to make everything look right but not be in the will of God. You should be in the will of God in every situation, knowing that even if it doesn't look right, it's where God has you just for now because he wants to do something new in you. Amen? And the last character that I want to look at, and there's more I could go on with Abraham, but for time's sake, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to jump to Joseph. Now, Joseph's an incredible character. Um, one of those popular characters, they've written a musical on him. You know, he's one of those characters that most people know even outside of the church, you know, Joseph. But to give backstory to Joseph, he was uh, second youngest. His, he had a younger brother called Benjamin. He, he, he was the second youngest. Um, uh, Jacob had him in his old age, so... He was loved by Jacob, he, and, and often you see when you read it that um, he was given this lovely jacket, and it had multicolour, and it was beautiful, and his brothers envied him. Now, the problem is with Joseph that he had this incredible calling upon his life, but when you read the beginning bits and how he uh, allowed others to see this calling, it was almost boastful, and, and, and almost like he was trying to wind people up with it. Um, you know, and we'll read it here in Genesis 37, 5 to 8. Now, Joseph had a dream and told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So they already hated him. It's like, now they hate him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Most people at that point would realize, probably shouldn't tell my brother's dreams. Like, they clearly, they're clearly not into this. They're clearly not encouraging me in my calling for life, you know. They're, they're getting angry. But he didn't learn. And so in verse 9 in Genesis 37, he, he goes, Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers. And he said, Look, I've dreamed another dream. I mean, if it's your younger brother, you're going to, like, stop it. You know, you're going to give him a little clip. Like, you're, you're taking the mick now. And he said this, look, I've had another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. 
And so this time he told it to his, fathers and, his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. But I love this. His father kept it in mind. And I think there's something beautiful about this, because I don't think his father was rebuking him for the dream. It was probably his attitude in the dream. Like, look at me, boastful. Look at what I'm about to do. You're going to bow down to me. Most fathers would rebuke their child for that. But he kept it in mind because he saw something. He knew that God was in something here. And I love this because we go on to see that his brothers, obviously full of anger, full of envy, um, they did something horrible. Um, you know, and, and, and it isn't right at all. And it's, it, you think of this, you know, this happening in the world today. Um, his brothers were filled with anger, jealous, as I said. But, um, and so they, they took him. And they threw him in a pit. And we can read in Genesis 37, 26 to 27, that they threw him in a pit to kill him. But Judah, loving Judah, decided, oh, no, don't kill him. Let's just sell him. Because that's much nicer, isn't it? Um, Genesis 37, 26 to 27. So Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. Oh, I mean, he's almost saying it like he's it's loving. Oh, he's our brother. Let's not kill him. Let's just sell him. I mean, come on. What is this? And his brothers listened. So Joseph was sold into slavery, and he was bought by Potiphar. 17 years old. I know some of you guys right here, 17 years old. How terrifying that must have been, that you thought your life in a moment was going to be taken from you. One moment you had these incredible dreams and everything was looking great in your eyes and I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. Next minute you're in a pit, clinging on to your life, thinking it's being taken from me. How scared he must have been. His dad wasn't there to help. His brothers, his own brothers didn't care for him. And then his little brother Benjamin, would he ever see him again? How terrified, put yourself in those shoes, how terrified you must be. And then this is, he's sold into slavery. At 17 years old, I have no understanding, even as an adult, what it must be like to be taken from what you know and to be sold into something. In Genesis 39, 1 to 2, it says this, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him and the Ishmaelites, um, from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was in Joseph, was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So basically what had happened is he had been sold into slavery and he was now in this process, what I would like to call the waiting zone. This horrible, unknown season of his life where he was like, what is going on? One minute it all looked great. He was giving me these brilliant promises. It was like, whew, God is doing something and now I haven't got a clue what's going on. And so we, what I love about Joseph is that his heart never grows cold. It never grows cold towards God. It never shuts down towards God. Even in the most terrifying, terrible circumstances, he never closes his heart towards God. He keeps trusting. And this is the call of us today, to keep trusting God. See, Joseph went from trial, tribulation to trial and tribulation. Not only was he taken into slavery, he was then accused of sleeping with his master's wife. And then he was thrown from, a, from, from slavery into a prison. And then from, from prison, obviously prison, he was bound. He was stuck there. But he was... God caused him to flourish even in that. And then eventually, because he was able to interpret dreams, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and he became the second in charge over the whole of Egypt. Joseph could have given up. 
He could have said, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. But he didn't. He stayed faithful. He was active in his waiting, not passive. He didn't sit there thinking, God, you need to make a way. He pressed into God, and God made a way in his pressing. God was causing him to become so sharpened. He was using the circumstances. He was using the situations. And the waiting, though it was hard, God used it in order for him to become one of the greatest leaders of that area, for the whole country of Egypt. Come on, what's God calling you to wait on? There's a reason. Don't be eager to want it to end before it's time for it to end. Trust God in your waiting. You know, here at Family Church, I think of us. We're waiting for a building. We're waiting for a building, right? We're here in this sports hall. And for 13 years that I've been coming, but for 24 years that this church has been running, we have been waiting on the Lord. But we're not sat here going, God, we're not doing anything until you do anything. We're pressing in. We're moving forward. We are an incredible picture of waiting on the Lord. We get here. We set up. We make all this happen. And we do it rejoicing in the Lord because we know he's going to do something incredible. We have a character, a perseverance, a determination within us at Family Church. You have it to say, we will keep going regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances. Come on. This is our hearts, Family Church. This is who we are. Come on, let's rejoice. I'm just going to, before I pray, I just want to finish with this one analogy. And often God speaks to me um, about this picture, and it's of a roller coaster. Everyone like roller coasters? Yeah. I'm on the, I'm on, my wife doesn't, but I do. I love them. I'm there. I'm like, come on. She hates the fact. She doesn't ever want to go with me because she doesn't like going on them. But anyway, you get on a roller coaster. It's quite sketchy in some parts of a roller coaster. Like, there's some bits of it that are like, woo, like, it's crazy. But God often shows me this picture that just because it's going up, down, and all around, you should never get off halfway through. If you get off halfway through, you're going to do more damage to yourself than trusting in me, in the security I have over you, to get you to the end line. Never, ever, ever jump off halfway through, church. Never give up. Because God wants to bring you through to give you the promise that's yours. He wants to bless you with it. But he just, you've sometimes got to go for a season that doesn't make sense. And that's okay. And so my encouragement is that for you today, Family Church. Don't give up. Keep pressing in and keep praying and believing in God. Come on, let's just bow our heads and I'm going to pray. You may be here today and um, time is running out. But you may be here today and you don't know Jesus. You have no relationship with God. You may be here for the first time and think, You know, you come here by random chance or just because someone's invited you. That's cool. Listen, God is the God of the impossible. The Bible says that when you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved, which means that you will be set free, delivered, not just for this life, but all eternity. You will be made right with God. He gives you righteousness and you will be made whole in a moment. And your ears and eyes will be open to the living God, to Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. So let's just pray this prayer. And I want to invite anyone into this relationship. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. Today, I put my faith in him and believe you died for me. I receive your righteousness and receive new life in you. Holy Spirit, fill me. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you've prayed that for the first time, I just want to ask one thing, just so that I can see you and pray for you, just to raise your hand. Is there anyone here today that you want to come into relationship with God? You want to know Jesus for yourself and have a, a, a close relationship with the Lord? You just raise your hand up nice and high so I can see you. There's one here, praise God. Is there anyone else here today? Father, I thank you for this young man. Lord, I just pray complete blessings upon his life right now. Holy Spirit, revive him and bring newness of life all over him. Where old thoughts used to be, break them now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name and bring new thoughts, new life all over him. Refresh him where there's been burdens, where there has been pain, where there has been hurt. Father, I thank you that you are the God who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray.